Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today we embark <clears throat> on a brand new church year. It is New Year's Day in the church calendar, so to speak. Advent begins the church year, and it is a season of reflection and preparation for the coming of our Lord. But while retailers do their best to press our sights on, on toward Christmas at this time of year, that is not where Advent initially points us to. Before we turn to the celebration of our Lord's birth, his first coming in history 2,000 years ago, we take time this day and in the days ahead to prepare ourselves in real time for his second coming in glory. The second coming is a core, creedal belief of the ancient faith that our Lord will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. We profess his return week in and week out in the historic creeds of the church. We invite his return every time we recite the Lord's Prayer when we pray those words, Thy kingdom come. That's an invitation for our Lord's return. For the Christian, life is not like a merry-go-round spinning around in circles while going nowhere. For the Christian, life is more like a journey with a very definite purpose and destination, and that destination is our Lord's return. The Anglican Bishop N.T. Wright says, just as a runner sprinting along the track leans forward to go faster and to get to the finish line quicker, so the Christian must always be leaning forward towards God's finishing line, eagerly waiting for our Lord King Jesus to be revealed. His return is that finish line. His return is that destination with which we hope for and eagerly await. And the message of Advent begins with our Lord's warning for us to watch. Take heed, Jesus says, watch, for you do not know when the time will come. We are to watch for his coming again. But here's a question for you. What are we supposed to be watching for? Have you ever wondered this? I spent some time pondering this question this week. I mean, if Jesus really is going to come again as he says he will, and as we believe that he will, it's not like we're going to miss it, right? It's not like anyone is going to miss it. I mean, another kind of core Christian belief is that this event will be unmistakable, not just to us, but to the world. In fact, if there is any question, any doubt that our Lord has returned, that alone is evidence that he has not. I mean, let's consider some of our Lord's own descriptions of this event. He says, as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, 
so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the nations will be gathered before him. Not some, but all the nations. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And then in today's gospel, he gives us this apocalyptic imagery, saying, In those days the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will be falling from the heavens, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. This event is going to be pretty hard to miss. It's not like falling asleep on a train and missing your stop. I mean, the end of the age is the end of the line. Not only are we not going to miss it, but we couldn't avoid it if we tried. We couldn't run fast enough to miss this event. So what are we watching for? If no one is going to miss our Lord's return, why not just catch a snooze and wake up when the train arrives at the station? Our Lord gives us the answer to this question in today's gospel towards the end in his little mini parable that he tacks on. He says, it's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and he puts his servants in charge, each with his own work, and he commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. And then Jesus says, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. And here it is, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. Turns out, falling asleep on the train is precisely the thing that Jesus warns us to guard against. We're to be vigilant and keep watch that we do not fall asleep. But it's not a physical sleep that our Lord is speaking of. It is a spiritual sleep, a spiritual slumber. What's a spiritual slumber? I'm glad you asked. The great 4th century theologian, Ephraim the Syrian, describes spiritual slumber in this way. He writes, keep watch. He uses an analogy with our natural sleep. He says, keep watch. When the body is asleep, nature takes control of us. And what is done is not done by our will, but by force, by the impulse of nature. And then he goes on to talk about the spiritual life. He says, when deep listlessness takes possession of the soul, for example, faint-heartedness or melancholy, the enemy overpowers it and makes it do what it does not will. The force of nature, the enemy of the soul, is in control. When the Lord commanded us to be vigilant, he means for us to be vigilant in the soul against lethargy and timidity. St. Ephraim uses terms like listlessness, meaning sluggishness or lacking energy or enthusiasm, faint-heartedness, melancholy, lethargy, and timidity to describe the marks of spiritual slumber. Another description of spiritual slumber which I've come across is from a French Orthodox catechism which reads, 
the watchfulness which Jesus expects of us is like the watchfulness of a sentinel, alert to the slightest sign of the presence of the enemy. It is a state of constant spiritual struggle. And this is the opposite of spiritual slumber. It is the opposite of spiritual sleep in which man allows himself to be controlled by events, like an automaton in a life which passes like a dream. If we are in such a state of withdrawn somnambulance, then the kingdom cannot grow within us. Yes, I had to look up somnambulance. Does anyone know what somnambulance means? Sleepwalking, yes. If we are in such a state of withdrawn sleepwalking, just allowing life to pass us by, the kingdom cannot grow within us. The watchfulness to which our Lord calls each one of us is as much a watchfulness for the enemy being on our spiritual guard as it is for his own return. In fact, to be on our spiritual guard at all times and in all places, to be in union with Christ our God in the present moment is precisely what it means to be ready for his coming again in glory. And the temptations and the dangers of spiritual slumber are great. How easy it is to slip off our guard, to become complacent in our prayers and good works, slothful in our perseverance to faith, hope, and love. I mean, it's easy to love our friends and the family members that we like, but I mean, that jerk over there, I don't have to really like him, do I? And no, I wasn't pointing to Father Kraft when I said that. If we are not constantly attentive and vigilant and striving to be filled with the Spirit of God, then we are inviting the enemy to come in to our spirits and have his way with us. We cannot be too vigilant because the enemy is constantly seeking for ways to destroy us. And on the subject of just how nasty and vengeful Satan is, here are some of the greatest hits of the New Testament for a reminder. St. Peter writes, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. St. John, in his revelation, cautions, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, that's us, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. St. Luke tells us that after Satan tempts Jesus, Satan departs from him until an opportune time. And then our Lord himself cautions, and this one is nuts. This is from St. Matthew. He says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, think exorcism, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty we're talking about a soul now. He finds it empty, swept, and in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. These are our Lord's own words. Such is the vengeful tenacity of the powers of darkness in this world. 
No wonder our Lord urges us to take heed and to watch lest we fall into spiritual slumber. He calls us to be spiritually awake and attentive at all times and in all places. But what happens if we drift off into spiritual slumber? Have you ever found yourself drifting into a spiritual slumber? Then in the words of St. Paul, the message for us is to awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. That is to say, when we fall into spiritual slumber, we are called to wake up, repent, and return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on us. This is why Advent, like Lent, is a season of penitence in the church. It is a time for us to awaken from our spiritual slumber in anticipation of our Lord's coming. Have you fallen asleep? Awake, repent and return to the Lord and carry on with vigilance the spiritual battle. Resist the devil, St. James writes, and he will flee from you. And as St. Paul encourages the Corinthians in today's letter, he encourages us as well, saying, You are not lacking any spiritual gift. You are lacking no spiritual gift. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who himself will sustain you to the end. We have all that we need in Christ. Let us not fall asleep then and neglect these spiritual gifts of grace that God has blessed us with through his Son. But rather, let us remain vigilant. Let us take heed and watch, resisting the devil, setting our hearts on our Lord's return, so that when he does come again, in power and great triumph to judge the world, we may, without shame or fear, rejoice to behold his appearing. Beloved, this is not just a message for Advent. It is the message of Advent for each day of our lives. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.